for Dynamic Deputies. Hello everybody and welcome to the Dynamic Deputies podcast, a podcast run by two deputy heads living on opposite sides of the country. Now it's a bit of a weird one for me this week because it's not a podcast with two Dynamic Deputies, it's just me, Russell, rambling along to the microphone and I just wanted to give you a bit of an explanation of why. I've had a really hard week in the world of education and I can't go into the reasons why but I just felt a bit of an urge this week at the end of a long tough week to just I don't know have a bit of a rant or a ramble a stream of thoughts I guess about some things that I've been thinking about and things that matter to me in education so bear with me because this is a bit different to normal there's no guest there's no Steve there's no script It's just really me thinking aloud. I ended this week, you know, with a real high. I got to go and do a keynote speech for some local um, teacher trainees who just finished their course. And that was such an honour and a privilege. And thank you to Dawn Chapman from Swift for getting me to do that and for putting some faith in me. It was a really beautiful event, actually, in a lovely barn and everyone sat around on hay bales so it was a bit unusual and you know I'll be really really honest with you after some difficulties in my in my job this week that had my confidence really rocked I woke up Friday morning feeling like a fraud who was I going into talk to these guys about education when I really felt like my own confidence had been rocked this week and a rational bit of my brain knew that wasn't that wasn't true that, you know, in this in this system we work in and in the world of education, we have highs and lows. And what's really important is that we grow from it. And I couldn't even bring myself this week in my busyness and chaos to script a speech that I would give uh, to these students. I had a rough idea of how I wanted to introduce things. I had a rough idea of some of the points I wanted to make. And thankfully I had our book in hand and a few chapters that I was going to talk to them about. And uh, I just kind of freestyled it and I just kind of spoke from the heart and some things came out of my mouth that, you know, I'm proud came out of my mouth that really did ring true for me as I was saying them. And I kind of felt the urge sat down today on a Saturday the kids have got off for their drama class and my wife's taken them and she's out for a bit and I've just got a tiny bit of headspace to capture some of those thoughts. I started by telling these students that they had entered the best career in the world, that it is a career of highs and lows and if they want a steady career where every day is the same, they really have picked the wrong profession. Someone laughed at that point and, and went to leave the room. <laughs> That's what we sign up for, isn't it, as teachers, a, a career where we're going to have enormous highs and, and sometimes overwhelming lows. And, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't swap that for anything. I don't want a boring job where I think I've nailed it. And I said to them, you know, there are times when I think I'd love to do a trade, you know, maybe a bricklayer or something like that, where you kind of do master your craft. You know, I imagine after a few years and you just nail it and you know what you're doing and it's not that you never make any mistakes but you kind of do you know what I mean it's that kind of consistency that just 
you can learn and, and master. And teaching or leadership in education really isn't like that. Clearly, there's knowledge you acquire and tools and techniques that help you out, but it's just too dynamic an environment um, working in a school for you to ever feel that you've mastered it. And the lows are caused by all sorts of factors outside of our control, whether that be the way we're displayed in the media, those that check up on us, how parents feel about the job we're doing. And I sort of said to them, there's only really one constant that has kept me going and made me still want to stick with this career after all this time. And it's children. Now, they're not even a proper constant because as I joke to them, I'm still meeting kids and going, I've not met one of them before. And I'm kind of thinking, wow, I need to develop that toolkit for this particular child that I've never met before. But this constant of, of young people that we serve, you know, something drew me and you listening to work in schools beyond those amazing holidays, of course. And it was connecting with young people, helping them to, I don't know, perceive a better version of themselves than the one they maybe started the year with, helping them to dream bigger, acquire knowledge and skills that would serve them well in the future expand their minds, inspire them, give them confidence. That's what's drawn us to this career. And on weeks like this, when I'm feeling pretty deflated, I have to recenter myself on those values and why I do this work. Because I could easily walk away. I'll be really honest with you. I could easily say this just, oh, these lows sometimes in this job are just too much. But I know, I know I'm in this game for the right reasons, and that is to work with these children and to, to help them thrive and succeed. And anything I can do to get better at that job is what I'm all about. And, you know, I told these students who I spoke to on Friday that Steve and I started this podcast because of a thirst for learning. That when we worked together back in Kent, we would often speak for hours on end about teaching and leadership, and we would make mistakes together, learn together, problem solve together, strategize together. And that camaraderie really saw me through some tough times when I was living and working there. And then in 2018, when he suggested one summer that we ought to do a podcast, which is hilarious because we don't know, well, we didn't know what a podcast was back then. I was like, sign me up, mate, because I really wanted that chance to talk through education with somebody again that I really trusted and we're so grateful that we began this podcast those few years ago because it accelerated our learning and you know I really do hope that in the work that we both do as educators the children and the colleagues benefit from this this podcast thing that we do and I said to these students don't ever think that you've you've nailed it keep that open mind for the whole of your career that you can keep learning new things. Now I'm going to keep this one quite short. I'm not going to go on for too much longer, but I picked a few chapters out of the book to talk about, and I'll just briefly allude to those chapters and why I chose them with these students. And the first chapter I spoke to them about was chapter one in the book. For those of you who haven't read it, it's called Everyday Heroes, and it's based on our interview with Jazz Ampafar from that first lockdown when everyone was feeling pretty all over the place, really. 
And I spoke to them about the difference five everyday heroes made to Jazz Ampafar's life and how they helped her to envision a better version of herself that she didn't think was possible. And more importantly, the everydayness of what they did, the smiles, the encouragement, the kindness, the thoughtfulness that they displayed around Jazz is what really mattered. They weren't showboating teachers who made it all about them. She says some of them weren't really my people, so to speak. They weren't overly outgoing. They were just genuine, authentic teachers who knew their purpose, knew why they were there. Do you know what's really important about those five everyday heroes is while they understood jazz and clearly showed empathy and understanding of her circumstances, they didn't use that as a reason for why jazz wasn't going to be successful. They had relentlessly high expectations of her, expected the best of her. And I know jazz is very grateful for that. So we spoke a bit about this idea of everyday heroes and, and the next episode slash chapter I chose to speak about was inclusive practice with Gareth Morwood. What a guy Gareth is. And uh, I said to them that when I trained to be a teacher, I didn't fully appreciate additional needs or understand it. I didn't have anyone close to me in my family that had a special educational need that I was aware of and perhaps lacked not not so much empathy. I think I, I went into teaching with a big heart and wanting to do the best for all children, but a lack of understanding for sure. There was ignorance there around my understanding of different needs and I shared with them some of the things that Gareth talked about in that episode that we really think matter to all children, but those with additional needs. And that's understanding from us teachers about the complexities of, of school life, of all the different routines and rules and expectations of different spaces around the school and how overwhelming that is for some young people and how there are some basic principles that can make school a much less stressful place for young people. Consistency, routines, calmness, and awareness of our own stress levels as adults. That those good inclusive practices benefit all learners. I talked to them about not being scared of additional needs. And I shared um, an anecdote of one girl who I taught or I I didn't directly teach, actually. I covered for one of her lessons a few years ago at my last school and she had a rare skin condition, which meant that she had to she had to have eye drops really regularly throughout the day. And I'd covered this teacher at the last minute and not had time to talk about these eye drops and what you do. And the TA wasn't in there. And this alarm went off in the room that they had set for every, I don't know, an hour or something. And this girl wanders over to me and says, it's time for you to do my drops. And I panicked and I said, I don't... I don't know how to do your drops. And there ensued the most hilarious five minutes where <laughs> I missed her face multiple times, let alone her eyes, until eventually we did it and she was giggling and laughing throughout and coached me through this. And I thought to myself, why am I scared of this? I need to show young people that, you know, I'll do whatever I can to meet their needs. And, you know, that as adults, we're still learning new things. And it made me realize that teacher training could never prepare or equip me for every additional need or condition that children might come to my school with. And I sort of said to the students on Friday, you know, 
just go in with that open mind that you can help any young person if you're willing to learn. I also talked to them about the importance of uh, working collaboratively with parents. And, you know, I really do know and feel how stressful it is sometimes when parents are on your case and feeling like you're not doing enough. And I did try to get them to see that, you know, that anxiety many of our parents feel, particularly if their child has additional needs or a diagnosis, it comes from their passionate love for their child and their desire to see their child do well and be fully included and gosh you've got to understand that haven't you and I talked about a girl I taught in my very first year of teaching so about 14 years ago who was autistic and I didn't really understand much about autism at that stage and I certainly felt that she didn't show me any any signs of autism in school so ignorant And the mum told me on the first parents evening, you know, she's going home really distressed at the moment and getting very, very upset in the evenings. And I just didn't get it. I thought it was mum's problem. You know, this girl was fine, compliant, polite, well-behaved at school. And it took me a little while to to realise what mum was talking about. And it was when I was delivering this music lesson and uh, NQT organisation, it was chaos. And I had this girl's group in a corridor with instruments and things. It was frankly dreadful. And I looked out through my, through my door into the corridor to see how her group was doing. And she was stood there with her fingers in her ears, crying her eyes out. And I thought, my goodness, I I needed to listen to her mum. You know, she was masking in school. She was holding it together. And I just tipped her over the edge with this really bad organization of a lesson and not preempted her needs and her distress. So I spoke to these students about working collaboratively with parents and listening to them. And then finally, I spoke to them about the knowledge is power chapter of the book. And that's uh, inspired by our interview with Daisy Christodoulou and Claire Seeley and what great people they are. And Claire, so truly grateful to Claire because she and Andrew Percival ran that conference a few years ago that I attended about curriculum and it just blew my mind and introduced me to the world of cognitive science and memory and knowledge, but not in a dry way, not in the way that so many people have misinterpreted it, you know, that we're, we're after a form of education that's all about disconnected facts and cold, heartless learning. They talked with passion about the moral imperative to ensure all children have access to a wealth of knowledge, as well as the very compelling cognitive science reasons. And uh, I really emphasised to these students just how important it is to value knowledge and to show children that love and passion for knowledge and to help them to see that when we give children broad knowledge that is well-connected, we help them to see life more clearly. I think in the book I talk about the difference between seeing life in high resolution and a kind of pixelated image. I talked about things like going on a school trip where you've actually learned about the place you're going and and know a lot of connected information to it so that when you go there, you're truly seeing its beauty or its wonder rather than just going and just seeing a nice place and not really getting its pertinence or significance. I don't even know why I'm really recording this episode. I guess after a really, really hard week and ending on a real high of speaking to these students really passionately about things that mattered to me. I guess I wanted to capture that again. And I want to thank every one of you that 
signs in and listens to us on whatever app you listen to us on and appreciate what we do. And I just want to emphasize because sometimes when you hear people on podcasts or you read their tweets on Twitter or you see them running groups on Facebook, you imagine there people have got it all sorted and got it all figured out. And that's absolutely not the case with me or Steve. We're just two guys humbly cracking on trying to figure out what we're doing and learning constantly coming full circle to that point at the beginning you're in a you're in a business uh here where you've got to learn for the rest of your life and that is beautiful but it's also distressing sometimes and I've been this week captivated by this profession's beauty and it's (laughs) and it's torture and distress too but I wouldn't change it for the world we get to work in the most incredible places every day don't we with wonderful young people who inspire us and fill us with joy. I'm done ranting, guys. I just needed some time to get some thoughts off off my mind and off my chest. And with summer coming up, I want to thank you for the brilliant work that you do for young people day in, day out. You are all everyday heroes. The Dynamic Deputies.